You know, I believe that many of us here, we need a reset in our lives. That kind of layer upon layer of distraction has come and, and we've kind of layered this on and layered that on and layered the other on. And um, there might be a, a, a real argument for reset. Now, when pastors talk about reset, sometimes, or, or your company, or actually anywhere, sometimes we think we're just going backwards. Uh, let me show you a picture of my two grandchildren. They've learned to crawl, but they can only crawl backwards. <laughs> so when they get to the, the furniture, they get stuck under the furniture, and we have to rescue them out of there, you know. It's Isabella on the left and Gabriel on the right. Or, and uh, Isabella is actually stuck under there for several minutes. But that can be like us. We think, you know what, uh, and pray for her, by the way, that she comes out to hospital. Uh, but uh, that can be like us. We think, uh, oh, don't talk about reset because I don't want to go backwards. Actually, I want to introduce you to uh, Elijah and uh, he, he has a reset moment. Take the kids off the screen because I won't be, I'll be too distracted to preach it. He has a reset moment, but actually his reset does not mean that he goes backwards in his life. It actually goes forwards and is redirected to something. I just wonder sometimes whether or not any of you, have you ever been really lost? I mean, lost. I don't know whether you visited another country or, or you know, a new area, and you were so lost that you really didn't know where you were. And in our sat-nav generation that we have now, we always, we're on the right road, but we don't know where we are. That's kind of our, our experience. But today, I mean that some of us in our lives, we're, we're disorientated, and we're seeking something, and we know that something's got to give. It's that type of reset that I believe God wants to speak to us about as individuals and maybe a little bit as a church. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to First uh, Kings chapter 19 and we'll look from verse 7. I'm not going to read all of this story. Up to this point, Elijah has been caused to rest, eat, recuperate, receive strength. I'm going to pick up the story from that moment because I want to talk about the direction of which he went from there. Verse seven says this, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There's another word for Sinai. And he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, the Israelites. They've rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Have you ever felt like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? Have you ever felt like it's up to you to sort everything out in the church, at home, at your workplace? If it wasn't for you, things would just collapse. Have you ever felt like that? We all get like that sometimes. Uh, the trouble with being a key person, you can lock yourself in. And the Lord said to him, 
Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, and the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there came a gentle whisper. You might have it in your translation as a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and stood on the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? In a reset moment, he says, hey, what is actually happening? And he replied again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord did not respond to that. But this is what the Lord said. The Lord said to him, go back the way you've came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hezel, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nishi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Elijah, I'm going to recommission you and that's how you will be reset. Elijah's in this place in his life after he's been rejuvenated and he's had rest and he's had strengthening. He moves from a place of rest to recommissioning. In a sense, that's the journey I want to take you on today if you're uh, gonna just gonna work along with me as I speak today. He went from this rest and spiritual encounter. Many of us want to rest and have spiritual encounter, and that's appropriate, but that's not the ultimate goal of God. God wants to move us from rest and encounter to a recommissioning, to a movement in our lives where we can then be the people and the person that we're always intended to be. God's trying to lead us out of this rest to a place of recommissioning. After the realization of needing that reset, the Lord did specific things to give Elijah a new direction. Maybe you could put the triangle on the screen for me there, guys, that we have to go through these phases in order to get from reset to recommissioning. God's going to take you on a retracing and a remembering. Then God's going to renewal, bring you to a place of renewal and receiving. And we'll talk through these, but then he's going to take you to a recommissioning and a retaining of what you are supposed to do. You see, some talk of reset can often be circular. A little bit like, oh, the only thing we need to do is slow down. But actually, when God resets you, he's trying to redirect you into a place of movement again. Now, some of you are very tired. Some of you are, uh, got lots of things in your life. And for me to talk about recommissioning, redirection, you may not even be ready for that yet. So will you walk with me through these phases and then we'll create a direction so that maybe your spirit can begin to embrace 
the recommissioning that God would want to have to you. This whole series is about God wants to speak to you as a person. Number one, if you are going to have a correct reset, you have to retrace and remember who it is you're serving. One of the most important things we do in the reset journey is to understand that as a Christian, we don't just have a system that we follow, we have a person who we're in relationship with. Can you hear an amen, church? That actually it's about being close to Jesus and not all the mechanics of how we do that. It's remember the strength of who it is that we serve. (coughs) Excuse me. Remember that we receive strength from a person and not just all the things that we do. There was a tradition about this cave where Elijah went to. It's really interesting. In Jewish writings, what they felt was is that God brought Elijah back to the cave where Moses was hidden in the cleft of a rock. There is actually the same cave. Now, whether it was or whether it wasn't, it was in the same vicinity. But but it it gives you a kind of retracing and a a kind of a a portrait of, oh, God's done this before. With Moses, in Exodus 33, it, it says this. Then Moses said, now show me your glory, Lord. I need to connect with you again. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And you know, God has mercy on everyone and compassion on everyone. But he said, you cannot see my face for none may see me and live. And then the Lord said, this is the place near me where you may stand on a rock And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you'll be able to see my back because you won't be able to see my face. Moses, in this encounter, had three things that happened to him. God proclaimed his name to him, his authority and said, if you want to be reset and, and understand you need to see my authority again, Moses was, uh, God said, I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And God showed him his autonomy or his freedom to show his will the way that he wants it. How many of you know that God has a will and it's his will, not my will? That actually one of the ways to remember who we're serving is to understand that your will, Lord, cannot be stopped. It doesn't matter which political leader's in power. It doesn't matter which country's attacking which country. God's will will not be stopped. And the other thing that Moses discovered that, that God is just awesome. That actually he couldn't see his face, even though he spoke with God like he was doing it face to face. He could, when, he, one, when he said, show you more glory, you know, sometimes we pray prayers that are a little bit too big for us. Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, you can't take this. And so he said, I'll show you my back. And you see, we ha- when, we, when we're remembering and retracing back to God and remembering that we serve a person, we have to remember his authority. We have to remember the perfectness of his will. And we have to remember that he is awesome. 
And I know as Christians, we use the word awesome more than any other group of people in the world, but God is awesome. He really is. And we need to retrace and remember who it is that we're serving. Rather than everything that we do and we buzz around trying to do it, and those things are valuable, important, we will do lots of things, but can we please retrace and remember we're serving God here and it's Him who we're connecting to. And by sending Elijah to this cave, he was reminding him, just remember who you are serving. You see, Elijah had forgotten some things. He'd forgotten that there was a man named Obadiah, an administrator in the king's palace, who'd already saved a hundred prophets and fed them. He'd forgotten, actually, that nobody on the Mount Carmel was thinking about Jezebel. Everybody converted over and said, it's the Lord we want to serve, because they saw how awesome God was. Nobody, God, and you know, Elijah had forgotten the work of God and he started focusing on himself. I've been jealous for you. I'm the only one left. You know, when you focus on yourself and you, you take it away from God, it, it becomes a too heavy burden. If you want to move to a reset, you have to retrace your steps back to the place where you remember it's God who we are serving. He has all the authority. Somebody say amen. amen. He has the will that's perfect. It's him whose presence is there for strengthening and love. Have you forgotten who we serve? Let me talk to you about uh, Samuel Lockeridge. He, he preached a sermon and he tried to describe God in, and he did it this way in a sermon called That's My King. He said this, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's supreminent. Does anybody uh, kind of know that this is God here? He's the king and the key of all knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He's the roadway to righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. Amen. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of the governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And my Lord, he's the Lord of lords. Amen. That's my king. That's who you are serving. Did you forget that? In all your busyness, in all your phones, in all your distraction, did you forget what Rich taught us last week in Psalm 27 verse one? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? Remember today who you are serving. He's the most important person here. He's the most important person in the world. And I believe we should give him one more clap offering because he's awesome. Retrace your steps back to who you're serving and then you'll begin to reset. Secondly, when we wanna to move to reset towards an action, we need to receive a personal renewal. And we need to understand that, you know, the Lord, he can appear in storms 
Uh, in Nahum chapter one, verse five, it says, the mountains quake before him. And we sing that song. The mountains quake before him. I won't, I won't sing it. <laughs> the demons flee. He can do all of that. The hills melt away. And, and he can do the hailstones. You know, remember in Joshua 10 that more people died with hailstones than the Israel army. He can do all of that. He can do earthquakes. Isaiah says he's a consuming fire. He can do all of that. But actually, these great manifestations didn't get Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Elijah out of the cave. It wasn't those manifestations that got him out of the cave, but it was the still small voice that got him off his backside and standing at the edge of the cave. You see, it's when we have this personal renewal of God speaking to us personally into our spirit, that's when we begin to reset and our energy comes back because we begin to hear his voice. You see, God wants you to retrace back to him as a person, but he also wants you to be renewed by hearing his personal voice. Can I just teach a little bit about the hearing the voice of the Lord? Maybe you could put the other triangle on there, guys. You see, it's this personal renewal and connection to him that sets us up to receive our recommissioning. When, when God speaks to you, there's something that happens in your spirit. You know, you were designed as a human to hear the spirit, the voice of the Lord. And it's when that happens that you begin to go alive in a way that you've never been alive. There'll be some of you here today that you have not been to church perhaps, but you feel like some things have been said that, that are specifically for you. And that's the voice of the Lord in it, and it energizes our spirits. We're renewed when we go through this hearing of God's voice. And isn't it so dry as a Christian when you feel like you can't hear God? It's one of the hardest things. So here's a little bit of teaching of how to hear that still small voice. First of all, God speaks in your conscience. Now, for some of you, the voice of God in your conscience is the voice of your wife. <laughs> you can hear Kathy's voice saying, oh, I'm not sure about that, Mark. For, for some of you, that might be a, a friend. Or... For some of you, though, the voice of your conscience might be an angry parent or a, a school teacher that always put you down. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God in your conscience brings conviction, not condemnation. In fact, Hebrews, let me prove it to you from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. God does not speak through a guilty conscience. From that, from that teacher at school that always called you stupid, don't, if that voice is there, that's not the voice of God. But God's voice in conscience is the thing that convicts you to do the right thing. It's the, the voice that, that propels you and gives you strength to say, you know what, uh, be, to be who you need to be, do this now because that's who you really are. That's your conscience. And that's a, the voice of God speaks conscience with knowledge. This is the right thing to do. A second way in which God speaks is through, uh, I want to say coincidence stroke God incidents. Not circumstance, 
and don't judge God just by our circumstances, but actually that you begin to say, God, why did that happen? What are you trying to say through that thing? It's like Joseph said to uh, his brothers, he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good and the saving of many lives. That often God ministers through that which he sets up. You know, God sets up some things for you. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, it says that a Levite and a priest, and it says that this happened to go that way. You know, the Greek word for happened is syncurios. And the word syncurios means with the Lord. And it's actually, it means God happenstance, that God set them up to go and see the Samaritan lying on the ground. And they ignored God's thing. You see, in some of the circumstances or some of the coincidence, and can I just change it to the God incidences, you have to say, God, what are you saying right now? And begin to hear, well, well, can I see what God is doing through this? You may not be able to do it all the time, but if you put your conscience and God incidents together, you begin to hear what God is saying. But then thirdly, content of Scripture. Now, the, the content of Scripture is that there are times when God zeroes in on a particular word for you today. So it's important to read the Bible every day because God may have a sp specific word in there. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, we often quote this verse to mean the Bible, but it's actually meaning the, the particular word that God has for you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, For God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to even the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And actually, that word there, that, that verse, does not mean the whole Bible. I mean, it can be the whole Bible. What it means is, on a particular day, God will take a part of the Bible and split your soul with it and say, hear this. And maybe you need to hear the word of the Lord today, that his voice wants to speak to you. In fact, a sign of closeness to Jesus, our great shepherd, is that we hear his voice. Do you remember that he said, when he's brought his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And in this whole sense of reset, put the, put the general uh, triangle back on, if you will, please. In this whole sense of our journey to a reset, what God is trying to do is to renew you so you can receive God's voice. And that's why Elijah has this, what are you doing here, Elijah? What am I saying to you? He's, Elijah's talking back to God, but he's not listening. And then the still small voice prepares his heart so that he can begin to be renewed. In fact, Jesus said it this way, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Can I ask you today, when was the last time that you heard God's voice? Not just making up things, but through his word that you said, okay, God, I'm receiving that. That actually your conscience is strong about something. And there's, there's no tinge of guilt there's actually only conviction, not condemnation. And that the things happening to you, do you know that God's will is unstoppable in your life? So why has he allowed that? 
Reset means that you move from this renewal, but actually God's goal is to get you to this recommissioning, to this sense of, hey, this is what you're born for. This is what your purpose is. And we have some general purposes and some specific purposes, some general purposes that we all join in on and some specific things that God wants you to do for you. After awakening to God's voice, Elijah is recommissioned. The only real thing that will really get your life moving again is this sense of recommission. Is this sense of, oh God, you've told me to do this, I I need to do this. Yes, of course we need some recuperation, we need some rest. We, We need to eat and let angels speak to us and we need times apart and we need times of encounter, of course we do. And some of you may need to balance your view of rest. But as vital as all that sense of rest and renewal is, eventually God is trying to reconnect us with the commission that we were always meant to serve God with. It's really important. For Elijah, it fell into three components. He said this. He was to anoint a foreign king. He had to have influence beyond his natural borders to go to Hazel, the king of Aram. He wasn't, that wasn't in Israel. It was, it was a foreign king. And God is calling you and me to go to all the world, to go to places that you haven't been before and to have a risk and to have a faith walk and to say, God, I really do need to stretch my borders. And then he said, I want you to anoint the king of Israel, Jehu. And as brutal as Jehu was, it was God's messy plan for that time. But that was his own nation, and to influence his own people, and to influence those people around him. And God's calling you to your people, and to your uh, society, and to your neighbors, and to your work colleagues. But then he said, I want you to uh, anoint a prophet, Elisha. And he said, I want you to invest in somebody who can take your place. Paul said to Timothy, you're a son in my faith. Paul said to Timothy, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. The whole purpose of our discipleship and cell ministry is to invest in you so that you can take your responsibility to invest in others. It's really important, isn't it, that we begin to hear a recommissioning again because as it's as we invest in these areas, we get our energy back. We get our energy back as church, but also we get our energy back as individuals. You know, I know that you've been serving the Lord. I know that you've been serving the Lord and it's not that you haven't been doing anything, of course not. But what I'm calling you today Two is your next level of serving. And for some of you, you'll go, oh God, can I not just stay in the cave and have a rest for a while? I understand that. You'll need those times. But can I call you back to remember who you're serving? Our God is an awesome God. Come on, lift your hands with me. Our God is an awesome God. Can I remember... Can I call you back to remember? Can I also remind you that God wants to speak to you in your spirit and there is nothing like the voice of God 
in a human spirit. To, 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 for you to know that your life counts for something. But with that, many of us stop there. Can I also call you back to a place of recommissioning? That we're to be disciple makers again. That we're to share the gospel with the world again. That we're to love our neighbor again. I know you've already been doing it. Please don't hear me saying you haven't been doing it. But it's the commission and recommission that keeps us healthy. You know, there was a dead sea in Israel and the only reason it was dead is because there was no output. And fresh water needs an outlet. If you track Jesus' disciples, they're always being commissioned and recommissioned all the way through his life. Halfway through his ministry, he said, he sent them out as 70 and he said, I'm sending you as sheep amongst wolves. It's, it's, not, it's not a glamour assignment, but I'm sending you out. In, at the end of his ministry, he said, I, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. <sighs> Breathe on them the ho- and to receive the Holy Spirit. He's commissioning you. In Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world and make disciples, he says. Go into all the world. Go to every ethnos, to every people. He's recommissioning you. I wonder if you used to be an intercessor and you've laid that down and you need to have a recommission to do that again. I wonder if you used to do something that you've laid down and God's saying, I'm recommissioning you. Like he did with Elijah. He said, Elijah, I've heard everything you've got to say, but I want you now to just be a prophet and go and anoint people. I'm recommissioning you. Jesus, as just before he went to heaven, said but you will receive power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the world. And my friends, the plan has not changed. Maybe you could stand with me. Perhaps the worship team could come. You see, today, I wonder if you would allow the Holy Spirit to convince you that actually all the energy is in the recommissioning of your life. That many of you are saying, I need a rest, and you do. There's nothing wrong with that. But 10 holidays will not solve your lack of purpose. Won't do it. You see, what you have to see is that God says, I have a plan for you. I want to recommission you into my service. And you've already been doing that, but I believe God's asking us. He's meeting us on the mountain and saying, what are you doing here? I've still got stuff for you to do. You're in a cave and you've stopped doing stuff and you've seen all the problems, but I still have things for you to do. Can you hear that, church? Can you hear that for you? Can you say... To God, to yourself, you still have things for me to do, Lord. Why don't you say that out loud and just proclaim it with your own voice? You still have things for me to do. That's where the energy is. That's where the healing is. Maybe you need to take a risk this week. You know, I decided one time that I would witness to my brothers, my my two brothers, they're far away from God. 
And it was the most wooden, hardest conversation. It, it, you know, God didn't set it up. I, I just kind of said, I'm gonna witness to them. And it was wooden and hard. I bought them a book. I gave it to them. It was hard, but I did it. And it gave me life and energy and it caused a little spark to start in their lives. And I can't tell you that they got saved through that, but I wonder if you could take a risk this week and have a conversation with someone. Not in an aggressive or ungodly way, I know that you wouldn't do that, but you could witness in works or in words. I'm saying to you, this will breathe strength and energy into your life. And your tiredness and your sense of removal from God, He will come closer as you recommission your life to say, I'm going to invest in another Christian. I'm going to witness to some who is not yet there. I'm going to be recommissioned. 